Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Grind. I am your host, Colin Morgan, and five days a week, I aim to motivate, educate, and inspire you to live the life of your dreams. I interview some of the most successful and inspiring people, along with sharing insight of my own in order for you to not only be successful in what you're doing, but prosper in business and life. The show is for grinders, people who don't just have dreams, but are willing to lay it all on the line and grind for what they want. Welcome everyone to The Daily Grind. Success comes to those who ask for help and understand they don't have all the answers. People who do things differently and don't continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. If you're tired of making those same mistakes and you are one of those smart people out there, one of those few who understand that you need help, what I am doing is giving away a free 15-minute coaching call to every single one of you on the daily grind so feel free to check out the link book a free 15 minute call i look forward to speaking with you happy friday everyone and welcome back to the daily grind on today's episode i'm sharing with you the audio version of the drive episode i did with david melter this is powerful has a lot of stuff in it hope you all enjoy to a lot of not just young entrepreneurs but middle-aged people women and men that feel stuck in their jobs and and what I see is the biggest mistake that they're making is they limit their point of entry everybody's looking for you know mr. Meltzer how do I become a sports agent do I do that like if I reversed engineered how I became a sports agent went to law school was gonna be an oil and gas lawyer maybe a sports agent but then got into the internet and right and then I sold legal research online then I went to Silicon Valley and raised a bunch of money for a wireless proxy server company then became CEO of a handheld company then lose everything right who's gonna buy that advice the real advice is don't limit your point of entry so my entire career was about the pursuit of my potential and I enjoyed what I did every day I'm not a, a got to person like I never say I gotta go to work or I gotta go home or I gotta babysit my kids it's I get to Right, and the minute you get to and you don't limit the point of entry, the world has unlimited possibilities because there's enough of everything for everyone. And what I see the biggest mistake that most people make is they think there's some direct path, right? Some key, if you go to law school and you do work for Wasserman and then you're gonna end up being Jerry Maguire. BS, right? Just don't limit your point of entry. Pursue your potential, your skills, your knowledge, and your desire and have that passion, purpose, and profitability, you'll get to where you wanna go. It'll manifest itself in the right way at the perfect time. Hi everyone, I'm Colin Morgan, and welcome to this episode of Drive. We are out here today in sunny San Diego at the beautiful Mission Bay Golf Course, joined by one of the most influential and inspiring entrepreneurs in the game, the CEO of Sports One Marketing, Mr. David Meltzer. David had a rags to riches story growing up very poor, then amounting a net worth of over $100 million. But his story did not end there. He actually lost everything, having to file for bankruptcy only to rebuild his wealth and himself yet again. David today shares how changing his mindset, getting in tune with himself, and how through gratitude, helping others 
and being connected to goodness has helped him grow into one of the most successful entrepreneurs and truly one of the most giving people in the world today. Joining David today is his youngest son, Miles, who really steals the show, which really shows how David's top priority in life before business and money is truly family. Everyone, be sure to sit back, grab a pen, grab a piece of paper, and enjoy today's inspirational and fun interview with the incredible David Meltzer and his youngest son, Miles. Enjoy. Perfectly in the fairway after that bomb. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) David, like your son, Miles, you had an athletic background yourself, right? A little bit, yeah. A little bit? Played some football? Yeah, in college. Nice. What's it like to grow up and watch Miles grow up here and do his thing? It's awesome. It's a lot of pressure, though. You know, parents play a crucial role in an upgrading of an athlete, and I'm surrounded by Hall of Fame athletes, and everyone looks to me as a parent of how I'm treating him. And then you have the other aspect of esports, you know, invested in an esport team, and I'm contemplating how much I want him to play games on the computer, although with, you know, my physical genetics, he would be a much more suited esports superstar, and he loves it. So I'm really balancing baseball, football, golf, and esports with him, and seeing exactly how he matures, what he loves to do, and that's my biggest concern is, number one, have fun, two, hustle, and do your best. If I can teach him those three things, then sports to me will be a success for him. What did you learn most, you know, growing up playing sports? How did that prepare you for life and business and entrepreneurship? You know, number one thing it taught me is I was never the best at sports. And so what it taught me was to go into some something that I knew I wasn't the best at, but to do my best anyway and be okay with sometimes not winning. And that perseverance and consistency were the two ingredients as an entrepreneur that really set me apart because all of a sudden I was on an equal playing field, if not even had some advantages uh, with my own genetics. And so after spending my whole life at a disadvantage trying to keep up, I now had to use that same work ethic. And the cool thing is if you look at like LeBron James or Tiger Woods or Kobe, those guys have extraordinary talent, but they have the work ethic of an underdog. They literally have the same Akron, Ohio background that never say die. I'm going to work all day and all night to be the best that I can be, pursue my potential. Uh, So one of the things that you preach and talk about all the time is manifesting, visualizing what you want, asking for it, asking big. And one of those things that you manifested at a young age was owning a golf course, which came to reality. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, first of all, if anyone wants to own a golf course, be the third owner of a golf course. (laughs) Third owner. (laughs) Buy it out of bankruptcy, that's the best I can tell you. Fair enough, fair enough. You know, it was amazing because the partner I had in the golf course found it and called me at midnight from Virginia and said, oh, I found the 2,000 acres that we're looking for. And I was like, what does it look like? He goes, I don't know. He literally wow. found 2,000 acres, and we ended up clearing it, getting Sam Sneed to be the only, uh, the first yeah. ever design course by Sam Sneed. Wow. And it was a spiritual place. At the exact time, I started going through my own transformation, switching my life into a more 
value-based living where I, you know, really wake up every day to be of service. Yeah. And uh, although it was one of the, the worst economic, it was, and the reason it was the worst economic decision I made is it was so successful. Really? Yeah, because I financed okay. against it. So it went mm. from, it cost $12 million to build, then we sold off the trees. Okay. I mean, literally, we had $2 million cash into it, but it went up to $120 million valuation wow. with all the real estate around it and all the housing and everything. And so that's what I leveraged. And, you know, it ended up me not understanding finance or asking for help. I, I lost everything. Wow. Is that something that you look back on and you would want a golf course again? You know, I'd like to be the third owner of a golf yeah. course again. Yeah. <laughs> and partner with the right people. I would know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, it was really, really cool. Yeah. It, it was, a it was number eight in the world at the time? Eighth best or golf eight in course the in the country. Yeah, in, in the in country. The country yeah. Eighth best golf course in the country. All bent grass, Sam Snead design course. And it was a lot of fun. I will tell you, better than the golf course is owning a beach house in San Diego. I bet. So for you, as I was reading your book and studying a lot about you, um, one of the things you talk about, you're very transparent to how you had everything, um, lost it, and then regained it. What did you learn the most about having everything you've ever wanted and then losing that? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I used to look down on people that it seemed like everything happened to them. Yeah. And so they were victimized, right? And I kind of had the Midas touch and I thought, because of the Midas touch that things just happened for me. And so what happened was, as I got more and more, things were happening for me, for me, for me. And all of a sudden I had everything I've ever dreamed of. And in fact, yeah. the reason that I wanted to be rich was just to buy my mama a house in a car, yeah. right? I was five years old in Akron, Ohio. Only time I wasn't happy was when I caught my mom crying because something broke. We were in a two bedroom apartment, you know, and I just wanted to be rich to buy our house in a car. And that came nine months out of law school. Yeah. Then I had all this more money, more money, everything happening for me. I'd stop at a red light and say, this is happening for me. Yeah. I just had this super positive attitude. Well, all of a sudden I built this beautiful home in San Diego and I realized, wow, I'm not happy. I had everything. And so I started buying more things for me, mm -hmm. different things for me, and I still wasn't happy. And the reason I lost everything is I didn't have any radical humility anymore. I grew up very humble and I became an arrogant a-hole and I surrounded myself with the wrong people, the wrong ideas, and what I manifested was the miracle and the lesson that I needed, which was radical humility and understanding that things don't come for me anymore. They come through me. And that's a, a true shift in the paradigm of value is that when things happen through you, you live in a world of more than enough. When you, things happen to you, you live in a world of not enough. When you, things happen for you, they're just enough. So I was living in a world of just enough, just enough for me, just for enough for me. And now I live in a world of more than enough for everyone. And things just, they, you know, I have more than I've ever had and I've been more happy than I ever, ever have been because things happen through me for everyone else. How long did that take you to, to learn? I'm still learning, yeah. uh, but that process and journey has been 10 years. Uh, it, I actually started the journey two years before I went bankrupt. So the most difficult thing that I've ever had to do was two years into my transformation, 
I realized, you know, I was going to go bankrupt. I had a num number one, tell Lee Steinberg, the most notable sports agent in the world, who hired me because literally would tell people, he's a great PR guy, that I yeah. was Midas. And then two, walk down the street. And if you remember why I told you I wanted to be rich, right? Mm -hmm. Walk down the street and tell my mom that I've lost everything. Oh, and by the way, you need to move out because I lost your house. And that's where I learned radical humility. She looked at me in this unconditional, more than enough world that she lived in. She looked at me and said, that's okay. Do you need any money? Wow. That's all she had to say. I literally told her I lost her home and she has to move. And I was in such shame at the time. And her response was simply, how can I help you? How can I be of service? It seems like you're a big family man because like you, you learned a lot from your mom and then also your and wife and yeah and your dad yeah. and, and your wife and I think it was your friend you had mentioned that they had kind of spoken to you and that, that was like the, the, the catalyst. Point. Yeah, there's three points that changed me. One was when I was 30 before I lost everything. My dad, when I was 10, forgot my birthday, mm. right? And killed me and he made up an excuse why I forgot my birthday because he doesn't believe in birthdays because he was so hurt he forgot. So for 20 years, I never got a birthday present from wow. my dad. And at 30, when I was starting to understand my dad, he gave me this beautiful jacket, fit perfectly, which yeah. was the biggest compliment to me ever. And then I opened it and the pockets were all torn out. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's what I said, <laughs> like really? So I called him, I'm like, all right, now what's the deal? Cause he just, he was an arrogant guy. He retired when he was young, married a young second wife, cheated on my mom. Like he's a human, but like, I'm yeah. like, what is it now? He goes, I go, I can't even wear this jacket. I go, it's beautiful. I thought you didn't believe in birthdays. And he apologized. He said, I'm worried about you. Mm -hmm. I said, what, why were you worried about me? I have everything. And he goes, I'm worried about you. And I go, well, what, what are you giving me this? He said, go hang it in your closet. I want you to look at it every day. I'm like, why? He goes, I don't want you to be the richest man in the cemetery. He goes, you can't take anything with you. I want you to remember that because you remind me of myself when I was 30 years old and I don't want you to be like me. And that's when I realized about my father, I said, gosh, the things I hate about my father is what I hate about myself. Wow. The next time was on a golf course, friend, best friend who grew yeah. up right by me and my wife told me, I asked him, why don't you hang out with me anymore? And he said, because I don't like who you hang out with. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing the things that they're doing. And he I hit a chord. He goes, you can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. Then a couple months, well, it was actually very shortly after my wife woke me up and said she wasn't happy because I came home in an altered state of mind at 5.30 in the morning from a Grammy party with Little John and thinking wow. I was a rock star. And she told me, you are not a rock star and I'm going to be leaving if you don't change. And those were the things, those three points stick out in my mind that moved me towards a transformation of living my life in service. And when I say living the life in service, people get confused, right? Yeah. Because I'm not Mother Teresa. I'm not walking the streets of Calcutta. I'm a compassionate capitalist. I love money, right? If you think about my philosophy of more than enough, of abundance, thing yeah. happening through me, I believe I still wake up at four. I still am productive and accessible, but I believe everything comes through me for other people. I might as well make a lot of money because I can help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. And I'm a realist. The best way to help people is to have a lot of money. I think Warren Buffett is going to help more people and Bill Gates with their billions of dollars Absolutely. than my mother, who I adore, has been a teacher and a catalyst and has nothing in her whole life. But still, she needs my help. Right. And so in essence, she's been a catalyst for people to help a few people, students and maybe a couple hundred, but billions of dollars. Come on, you could hire thousands of my mom. That's what I want to do.
So Dave, obviously you're a big family man, bringing Miles out here, it's obviously super important to you. Um, and I'm sure you instill a lot of principles that you've learned throughout the years into your four children. What are the biggest lessons or what is the biggest lesson you want your kids to take with them learning things from you? There's four things. Yeah. Number one by far is gratitude. I want them to look at everything with appreciation, which means to add value. So the past will always be wonderful, their present will be better, and their future even brighter. Uh, the second would be empathy, which is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I want them to learn to forgive themselves. Uh, and that's why I illuminate, so, you know, as a parent, it's scary to illuminate all the screw-ups. Yeah. Uh, but I illuminate those because I want them to see that I've forgiven myself because if I hold forgiveness in my heart, I can forgive other people. Uh, Third one is stolen from my mom. Mm -hmm. She uh, always used to say, "Don't with you know six kids, don't go below the line," which meant blame, shame, and justification. You know, when you're in a small apartment with six kids, it's easy to blame everyone of course, else. Yeah. Uh, so I really want my kids to be accountable. Meaning, if so, anything happens, anything in your life, two questions: one, what did I do to attract it to myself, and what am I supposed to learn from it? Those are the two things. The last one is the hardest and I'm still learning this. Uh, the other three I'm pretty good at, yeah. uh, effective communication. So uh, effective communications mean that you connect to other people emotionally so that you understand, but you actually are motivating, not manipulating. Mm. And the key is the second part of effective communication is I want them all to live inspired life consistently, persistently, in the pursuit of their potential. So whatever they believe in, I want them to live an inspired life so they can inspire others to inspire others, hopefully to be happy. It's a self-awareness you want them to have. Absolutely. Play like a pro, man. Play like a pro, sometimes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pro shot. That's it. So your mantra, mission statement of life, make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. That's a seed your grandfather put into at a young age. Yeah, uh, gave me great piece of advice too, right? That was the start of that, which was you only need three things in life to be happy. Okay. You need a good job, because yeah. a third of your life is spent working, so you need to love what you do. Two, you need to find one partner in life because that's the liaison between you and your family and their family. Yeah. So you need one of the right partner. I, mine is my wife, mm -hmm. and you know, they say behind every great man is a great woman, not me. My, my wife is in front of me pulling me along, making me great, <laughs> and then allowing me to get all the credit. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one was pretty funny. My, grandfather was from Russia okay. so he's like you just need one bed so buy the best bed that you can find because you spend a third of your life sleeping and stooping okay <laughs> so but it, it was good advice so you need one woman one job and, and one bed So when did you find the right job? 
That, that's a really great question because what I find, and I talk to a lot of, not just young entrepreneurs, but middle-aged people, women and men that feel stuck in their jobs. And, and what I see is the biggest mistake that they're making is they limit their point of entry. Everybody's looking for, you know, Mr. Meltzer, how do I become a sports agent? Do I do this? Like if I reverse engineered how I became a sports agent, went to law school, was gonna be an oil and gas lawyer, maybe a sports agent, but then got into the internet and right, and then I sold legal research online. Then I went to Silicon Valley and raised a bunch of money for a wireless proxy server company, then became CEO of a handheld company, then lose everything, right? Who's gonna buy that advice? The real advice is don't limit your point of entry. So my entire career was about the pursuit of my potential and I enjoyed what I did every day. I'm not a, a got-to person. Like I never say, I gotta go to work or I gotta go home or I gotta babysit my kids. It's, I get to, mm. right? And the minute you get to and you don't limit the point of entry, the world has unlimited possibilities because there's enough of everything for everyone. And what I see the biggest mistake that most people make is they think there's some direct path. Right, some key, if you go to law school and you do work for Wasserman and then you're gonna end up being Jerry Maguire. BS, right? Just don't limit your point of entry. Pursue your potential, your skills, your knowledge, and your desire, and have that passion, purpose, and profitability. You'll get to where you wanna go. It'll manifest itself in the right way at the perfect time. What's the best way to, to start, like for people out there listening who are trying to find direction, who are trying to find, say that one thing, what are some pieces of advice? Like, what would you recommend to them? Number one, be more interested than interesting, right? Don't just say you want to do it. Start asking questions, doing research, creating opportunities. And then the biggest piece of advice I have is have mentors. The best thing that I do still today is I find people that sit in the situation that I want to be in. So for example, I want to be a better golfer, so I play with a pro. And I ask you for help because you can expedite, accelerate my knowledge. Right, you can go through all those rounds of golf, and I promise you played so many more rounds of golf and have spent more hours at the range making mistakes and learning from that. So why should I have to experience that? Why can't I just jump and accelerate my experience to closer to your level and then achieve it? So I always have at least three mentors. When I wrote my book, I went to Napoleon Hill. When I did my TV show, I went to John Bogner from uh, you know Undercover Boss as yeah. the producer. You know, when I go to raise money, I go to Mark Kwame from Drive Financial, ex Sequoia guy. I just go to the experts and the best part about it is I'm not afraid to ask. And I ask simply, I said, you know, even guys like Steve Wynn, can you mentor me about your, your relationship to money? And guys like that would say, what does that mean? I'd say very simply, give me your cell phone number and I won't bother you, but every once in a while I'll call you and I'll be concise and can you just give me a little bit of guidance? Well, if you collect all of those mentors, Imagine the stable of consultation that you have. Imagine the amount of acceleration in your life you could have because, oh, I want to learn how to uh, you know, be a chef so I can call Ming Tsai, right? one of my favorite chefs. Why? Because when I was at a party for Wheels Up, I asked him, dude, if I need a good recipe or need some advice about cooking, would you mind if I called you? Well, it's the biggest compliment you can give someone yeah. is to admire them and ask for their advice. Nobody says no, yeah. but don't waste their time, right? I got a 520 rule, don't waste their time. If you're gonna call for advice, don't BS around, just say, give me one minute. You know, how do I make that tartar? You know, whatever yeah. it is. Don't waste their time.
So Dave, you've had the chance to work with some of the most iconic athletes. I mean, your business partners, Warren Moon, Lee Steinberg, you've had the chance to be mentored by and be the CEO of his company. First of all, what's it like to be around greatness like that? Yeah, you know, there there's a spirit of excellence is how I describe it. Yeah. And I've been blessed in business uh, as well to be around that spirit of excellence. But the thing to me uh, was marketing the Pro Football Hall of Fame or being on the board of the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Uh, you know, these are, it's, it's a different vibration. You know, I believe everything vibrates and you can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you. And for me, it goes the earth, plants, animals, humans, light, yeah, light, a sound, light, then thought. Okay. But the thought that vibrates the fastest is the truth. And what I find about those ex exceptional individuals, like my business partner, QB1 Kenobi, Warren Moon, <laughs> is that they vibrate faster. And if you surround yourself with the right people and the right ideas, you actually can pick up their vibration. In fact, they tell people you're the aggregate of the five people that you hang out with the yep. most. Yep. Even economically, I always say, take your five best friends and see how much they make. I guarantee you're right on the average of what they make. Yeah, totally. And so I decided to increase my vibration, not only by meditation, but by association. And that association has really helped me. And it's funny because it's not just the physicality of vibration, it's that those people also know people or they have more resources and more options. And so things that are easy for them, right? For example, hanging out with a billionaire, it's very easy for them to write a $5 million check. Right? Most of the kids I grew up with, it's very difficult for them to grow up five minutes. So I had to, not because of economics, because of vibration, I actually had to fire friends and let friends fall off because they were hanging out with the wrong people and the wrong ideas and doing the wrong things all day and they weren't elevating me to elevate others. So you, you have the chance to be around these guys. Like I believe that the habits we have directly reflect the results that we get. What are some habits they taught you? Oh, for sure, time. Mm. Right, time's the biggest habit. All of them utilize time in a productive and accessible way. They're extremely productive, but they're also accessible to others, but they're able to access information so quickly. They're able to access help so quickly. And by far, that's the one thing that I've learned habit-wise. Now, they also do one thing that I do. Almost all of them, except for like Ricky Henderson and a couple others that I've met, wake up early. Really? Yeah, so you know, I wake up at 4 a.m. every yeah. day. They wake up, they, they, most of them get more done by 9 a.m. Uh, than most people do an entire day. And that's important because, like for you, like why is it important for you to get up at 4 a.m.? Well, for me, number one, I believe in vibration and energy. Yeah. It's a still time. Mm. But I also allows me to start my day um, without any interruptions. I, I study my calendar, for example. I meditate. I pray for 10 people I can help. All the quiet things that I need done uh, because as the day moves on, it becomes more and more chaotic, yeah. more and more interference, and it allows me to truly be efficient and effective and statistically successful. And I'm very, very disciplined with my time. So 4 a.m. to 6.30, I have a very disciplined uh, time frame of what I do. And I usually can do more than most people can produce in a day before 6.30, 6.30, 7.30 is family time every single day. And then 7.30 is the coaching calls while I drive to work to work at eight o'clock and then yeah. let the chaos begin. What's the most important thing you do every morning? Like if you could pinpoint down oh, one thing. Two, two things, okay. it's meditation for sure. Yeah. 
finding my center, finding my place so I can go back to center when things are moving outside into the space of ego. Need to be right, need to be offended, need to be separate, need to be inferior, superior, need for ego, guilt, anxiety. The minute I feel one of those, I go back to center. I can't go center if I don't know where it is. So meditation. And then the second is what I previously mentioned, be a student of your calendar. Yeah. Study that calendar. Not just what you're doing in the day with people, email, text, and social media, but study the white space of your calendar. Like I study that free time to see how productive and accessible, when can I call my mom for a minute and tell her I appreciate and love her? When can I spend the six minutes on the phone with my three daughters to make sure that they know I give a darn, right? When do I have the 30 minutes every day to spend with Miles? Minimum, these are all minimums. Yeah. But I believe I have to touch them consistently and if I'm not in control of that white space in my calendar, I'm not gonna consistently, persistently be able to pursue my potential as a father, as a husband, as a business person, as a community leader, as a philanthropist. Football, football, yeah, Baseball, and esports. E e Even though he doesn't know what esports are, I invested in an esport yeah, team. You said you in e yeah, so I'm very. I to me, that's like the gift that I've been giving. So I invested really early. Okay. And so the team that I have is the top Halo team. Okay. And I, I feel like you know the Al Davis. <laughs> you know, it's like nobody really knew what it was and I invested in it yeah. with Meta World Peace, actually. Oh, no way. Yeah. And so, you know, now the team's worth over $100 million wow. and I think it'll go over a billion someday, the esports side of things. Wow. People love watching it and they're building stadiums and arenas and it's moving much faster than the NFL moved. Yeah. But worldwide, esports is the most adopted sport if you consider a sport, yeah. just like if you consider golf a sport. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm friends with like John yeah. Daly and you're like, yeah. mm, is this really a sport? Pastime. <laughs> get, get wasted and play. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, but yes, I, I think there's a lot of growth potential. And, you know, it's a skill. Golf yeah. is a skill. Darts is a skill. Pool is a skill. Yeah, Poker is a skill. Yeah. But it's a competitive skill. And these teams, to me, I, I like to monetize everything. Mm. You know, I... I really believe in making money and, and helping people. So although I have a passion about what I do and a purpose, it has to be profitable. So you didn't get into it just as a, you got into it with- I, Yeah, I would not have gotten into it to making make money. money. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely making money. Yeah. And I still don't really have as much of a passion for esports, but yeah. I also saw that my background was so well suited for a brand new sport because I have an agentry background, a marketing background, a technology background, right? Yeah. Hot, all these different things that I've been at the top of my game at in technology, sports, agentry, marketing, and even social media. Yeah, and so I have all these different areas that I'm looking around the in the world going, who else has the experience that I do? There's great agents, right? Great marketers, great technology people, but I've been blessed with all these different lives. Yeah. With different, yeah. So Dave, you've accomplished so much in your life. You've, like you say all the time, you've been blessed. Out of everything, what are you most proud of? That's what I want. What are you most proud of out of everything you've done, everything you've accomplished, everything you've seen, what are you most proud of? 
you know what's remarkable to me is the number of people that I've been able to impact now in the last few years. And, uh, you know, I'm most proud of my family, my children, obviously. But beyond that, I'm just, it's remarkable. Social media is so powerful. Yeah. And I tell my wife every day between the TV show Elevator Pitch, the podcast, the playbook, and then my own following, like every day I stand in front of a million people and I'm changing, I get their DMs and their text messages and a LinkedIn post that are, you know, even to the point where some people have, you know, not committed suicide, you know, because of not what I say, nothing I say is mine, right? It's coming through me, but it's how I say it. And, you know, I joke around because as you know, online, there can be some pretty brutal people. Just the other day, someone was like, oh, you're talking about gratitude. You stole that from Gary Vee, who's a mentor and a friend. So I'm happy to steal stuff from Gary Vee yeah. because I ask him for it. And I'm happy to steal it because who in social media, who else would you steal from, right? The guy's a genius. But to say that, like, I stole gratitude is like the most ridiculous thing because my mom taught me gratitude. And I'm sure someone taught her gratitude. Gratitude's yeah. been around. So the, most, the biggest success in my life is a number of people, whether it's the Unstoppable Foundation, the Crescent Moon Foundation, my social media, that I'm able to impact to make them happier. And not only them, but other people. So Dave, I wanted to first of all thank you so much for bringing Miles and coming out here. Oh, thank you. Um, the way I end every show, um, my podcast that we're doing and, and on the show today is, if you could provide everyone listening, everyone here today, with the thought of the day, so an ending piece of wisdom and guidance that everyone can go home with today. My best piece of guidance and wisdom is really simple. It's uh, be kind to your future self, mm. um, and, and that means a lot. So to be kind to your future self means that. Every time you see a piece of trash, pick it up. When you see someone smile, open a door. Uh, you know, I said the universe doesn't know the size of the deeds, but it, you need to do good deeds. And every time that you do a good deed, that you are kind, you're actually kind to your future self. And you're creating a void. What happens is when you manipulate people, you create a void for you to fill. And you're inefficient, ineffective, and statistically unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. You're human. But to truly trust the universe, be kind to your future self by just being kind and it's amazing how when you create that void for the universe to fill how exact it is so when you ask for what you need or what you want it comes rapidly and accurately so do yourself a favor and be kind to your future self love that As you can see from this interview, everyone, success is driven by passion, hunger, and today, gratitude. Everyone has to overcome obstacles. Everyone has a story. Start building yours today. Today, we had the chance to hit some balls and spend some time with the amazing David and Miles Meltzer. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. Thank you, brother. And coming on the show here with me today. What do you say, Miles? 
Thank, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. As always, be sure to do something today that your future selves will thank you for. Hey everybody, hope you enjoyed that episode of Drive with David Meltzer. If you like what you heard, leave us a comment as always, you share it with your friends, anything, anything always helps. Hope you all have a phenomenal weekend. We're going to be back here on Monday next week with a, a loaded lineup of interviews. So look forward to that. Super pumped. Enjoy your weekend and always remember everyone to keep on grinding.